Are you ready for the word? All right. Let's uh, review just a little bit. We talked about our goals. We have four so far. We're introducing the fifth one today. And we said the first one, we had to have a zeal for the, for the loss. Is that correct? We also said that we need to, uh, in order to have a zeal for the loss, you need to pray. You need to pray in order for the, uh, the Lord to kind of give you a heart for the loss. You need to uh, look in the scriptures and find out what is God saying about the loss. And then pray again and ask God, give me that heart, God, the heart that you have. You have. Then we need to also, that's the first one, the second one, have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And in order to have that intimate relationship, we said what we're going to do is we're going to uh, memorize the seven priorities because you can use those seven priorities in your intimacy. We said we're going to have a devotional life, a constant devotional life, not something that's uh, just haphazard done uh, once a week or something like that. We're going to have a devotional life every day, and the devotional life should include some of the seven priorities. We also said that you want to memorize one scripture per month, starting this month. So everyone should have a scripture that you memorize today uh, because it's near the end of the month. And if you haven't memorized it so far, you have about three days to do that because January you'll start on another scripture. We want to do uh, 12 scriptures for 2009. We said also that we wanted to uh, increase the third one, increase our uh, prayer um, not just a prayer life, but prayer coverage. You want to pray one minute a day for yourselves, one minute a day for your uh, mate or future mate, one minute a day for your children or future children, one minute a day for the uh, just the goals that we have in 2009 because we are a body and we need prayer, and also to pray for your leaders uh, in the church, your elders and pastors. So we said we would do that, and we also said you need to go uh, to corporate prayer, which is on Thursday night or Sunday morning at 9.30 from uh, at least four times uh, the year of 2009, so that's once a quarter. So we said those things. We said that you wanted to uh, definitely have it memorized, so <clears throat> who's ready to come up and, and, and memorize this thing? Have you, who got it memorized? Oh, no, not, 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 not you, Jessica. You're good, though. I know you would do it, though. I know you would do it. Give me somebody now. Anybody? Did, you, did I see your hand? Oh, I didn't see your hand. Oh, you're just doing this. Okay, got it. Okay, who, who, who's, who's going to do it? Oh, you are. Oh, I saw that. Stand up, stand up, stand up. Both of you stand up, stand up, stand up. Stand up. You, you can help your wife just in case. Just smile. Oh, you know, she don't need any help? What am I doing? Huh? What am I doing? Seven problems. Okay, the two of them, the two of them together, because they're one. Give my hand. Praise God. All right. That's good. That's good. Now today, what we want to do is to introduce another one. Now we said that um, uh, last last week we introduced number four, which was we said we, what we want to do is, is cooperate more with God and His leaders. Cooperate more. We said that, that one of the one of the uh, the hardest things to do is to cooperate. And we know from reading from Genesis all the way through Revelations, we know that the church as a whole did not cooperate fully with God. Is that correct? Is that correct? And God says he wants us to cooperate because he has so many things for us. 
that he wants to reveal to us, that he wants to give us, and it calls for cooperation. And as we told you that this week what we would do is that we're going to tell you the, the one thing that kind of holds back that cooperation. So let's talk about that thing. That's the fifth one. So we talked about um, the zeal for the Lord. We've talked about having an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. We've talked about increasing our prayer coverage, and we've talked about cooperating with what God is for. And then the fifth one, this thing we are talking about, let's look at it. We need to basically uh, what God would call be less self-centered. Less self-centered. Do you know that if you're self-centered, do you know that you're not going to cooperate like you should with God or with those who are around you? You're not going to do that because you're self-centered. One of the first lessons that, that uh, in, in our home group study this year, and that's the second book, it's called 102, is self-centeredness. And that self-centeredness is a real thing. If we don't, if we don't conquer self-centeredness, we're not going to cooperate. We're not going to uh, do what God wants us to do for 2000. And nine, because we will not cooperate because we are self-centered. We don't want to. It's just something that, that if I don't want to do it, I'm not going to do it. And that has to die. It really does. Now let's turn to uh, Colossians. Let's start there. We'll be spending most of our time in Colossians. And this is one of the uh, prison epistles, they say, uh, basically because Paul was in his in prison in Rome, the first imprisonment, and he wrote this uh, letter, his epistle, to the Colossians. And the Colossians were going through some situations. They were, number one, exposed to false teachings of the Gnostics, and, and they, they, they had all this weird stuff they were being taught, and Paul was trying to explain to them that this is not the way you receive Christ, so don't walk in that way. Let's start in Chapter 1, verse 3 through 14. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard your, of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. The gospel is the word of truth, which has come to you just as in all the world, also is constantly being bearing fruit and increasing even as it is, has been doing in you since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God and truth. Do you know that the, that the truth, the word of truth, the gospel is supposed to bear fruit in our lives and it's supposed to increase in us? It's, it's like leaven. When, when, when the word of God, which is the gospel, gets in us, it's supposed to expand us. It's supposed to do some things. And that's what it says, bearing fruit, also increasing. Verse 7, just as you have learned of it from uh, Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on, on our behalf, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with all the knowledge of his will and all spiritual understanding. This is an excellent prayer for you to memorize 
uh, that you can pray over your children, you can pray over yourself, you can pray over your mate, so that you will walk in the manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of our God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for the attaining of our steadfastness fastness, and patience and joyfulness, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the, in the inheritance of the saints in light. Now, self-centeredness, I'm getting ready to go into something now that's very important. Uh, self-centeredness is, is opposite of what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be God-centered, not self-centered, but God-centered. And when we become self-centered, we are not God-centered. We are in the, in the center of our thoughts. We're in the center of our actions. It's what pleases us. It's what we want to do, when we want to do it, how we want to do it. And, and if, if uh, we don't have to do it because we're getting paid or something like that, uh, because we have jobs and sometimes we'll do things we don't want to do because we're getting paid, we don't work because of a, a, a salary. We work because of God. God says we, if we don't work, we don't eat. So we work because God says so. And we also do it not with our um, service because a man pleases. We don't do it because people are looking at, at, at us and because we're going to get a salary. We do it to please the Lord. We're supposed to do everything as unto the Lord to please God. That's what we're supposed to do. And so we can't be self-centered. And this season of the year, which is uh, Christmas, we're celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we know Christmas is Thursday. It's still the Christmas season. Some people are still coming back from the Christmas holidays. Uh, one person called me last night. Virgil said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm out of town. I won't be there for Sunday morning. But I'm, uh, we're, we're out of town. We'll be back Sunday night. Uh, so a lot of people are out of town, and they're on their way back in town. Uh, so, so you need to be praying for those people. Uh, uh, because of, of that, but I'm telling you that we have to be God-centered. This is the season of the year that we celebrate Jesus. We don't celebrate uh, the occasion just to be giving gifts, even though gift-giving is important. See, uh, I think you remember Esther, the book of Esther, where the um, uh, the Jews, Haman was was uh, going to destroy the Jews because he was so prideful because Mordecai, he wouldn't bow down to him. And so he uh, uh, sent out an edict and the king uh, let him use the ring to stamp it and said, we're going to destroy the, the Jews in one day. Uh, uh, and then Esther, of course, went before the king and the king uh, told Mordecai, well, what you can do is you can, uh, we can't get rid of this idiot, but what you can do is you can uh, make another one, which makes sure the Jews, they can now prepare for this thing. And so after they defeated their enemies, the Jews defeated their enemies, they uh, had a feast. And the feast is called Purim. And, and so, so what they do is uh, um, uh, celebrate with gift giving. They're just excited about it because God delivered them from their enemies. They gave gifts because they're celebrating what God had done. Why do we give gifts for Christmas? Is it because, well, it's a good thing to do. I, I really need some you know, clothes. I really need pants. We don't give gifts because of that. We give gifts because we are celebrating the occasion that God has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son by sending Jesus Christ to live, to die, to resurrect for our sins. 
all the law and, 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 and everything that was, that was against us was nailed to his cross and he took everything that we should be taken, the punishment. We don't have to be punished. The wrath of God doesn't come upon us because we are in Christ. That's why we're celebrating Christmas. You see? That's why we're celebrating Christmas. And so this is a great time of year to get rid of selfishness if we are selfish because Jesus Christ was not selfish, was he? He was selfless. He died for our sins. He died for the people who, were, who, who, who nailed him to the cross. He died for the people who were, who, who were beating him. He died for the people who made him carry the uh, cross all the way. He died for everybody, for the sins of the whole world. He died. So God is telling us, don't be selfish. And if you're not selfish, you will cooperate with those who he has put over us, whether it be our employers, whether it be um, in a household. There's order everywhere. Everywhere there's order. We talked about that last week. Now let's go to verse 13. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. So why should we be selfish? in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So why should we be selfish? He is the image of the invisible God. That means he's a representation, he's a likeness, he's a manifestation, he's exact representation, actually. And see, the, the Gnostics, they were saying that, no, 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 no. We have these, uh, <clears throat> they call them the fullness. Uh, they, 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 were, they were like uh, sp- supposed to be... Uh, like angels or some deity, they had a lot of different deities that they say that they're, they're between heaven, God, and earth. And so therefore, if, if we pray, it has to go through these, uh, 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 they call them aeons. They had to go through them. And, and when God talks to us, it has to come through them. And they think that, no, the, the God cannot be in a, in a body because a human body can't whole deity. So what Paul was doing is refuting that. And we have that same heresy going on today in different places that that Jesus Christ is really not God. He's the son of God, but he's not God. That's a doctrine of demons. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's not a doctrine of the Bible because Jesus Christ is fully God and he was fully man when he walked there. All God, all man. And so he was saying that, that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. That doesn't mean that he was created. That means that he has a preeminence over all creation. For by him all things were created, both in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For this was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. And that, that statement was directly against the Gnostics, because they thought the fullness was in deities, different deities in the heavens, and he said, no, 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 no. The fullness dwells permanently in 
him, Christ Jesus. That's what he was saying. And through him, to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Whether through him and, and to say whether things on earth or things in heaven. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he is now, he has reconciled you in his fleshly body. He says fleshly body. He says that because of the Gnostics, because he had a fleshly body, but he was all God as well as all man through his death in order to present you before him holy and blameless beyond reproach. I'm telling you, we cannot afford to be selfish. We can't afford it because he is selfless and we're supposed to be just like he is. As he is, so are we on this earth, the scripture says. Let's go to chapter Let's go to verse 27. To whom, to whom God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also, I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. In chapter 2, verse 3, it says, In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In verse 8, it says, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For in him... All the fullness of deity dwells. Do you hear what it said? In him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him, you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. And in him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. This is saying that, that really uh, we, don't, we, we don't have the Adamic nature any longer. Yes, Adam sinned. Yes, we all then, when we were born, were born into sin. But when we got born again, we don't have that uh, sinful nature any longer. We're not a sinner any longer. We don't have that Adamic nature any longer. We have now his nature. That's what God is saying. We don't have to be uh, subject to this flesh, to bow down to his flesh. The flesh has been nailed to the cross, and so therefore God is saying that you don't have to be obligated as a servant to your flesh, doing everything this flesh wants to do, and we have to renew our mind because we have a, we have a mind that's just as flesh as our body is flesh, unless we renew it according to his word of God. So he's telling you, don't give in to that. You don't have to. So selfishness has to do with this flesh. It has to do with our unrenewed mind. And so you can't cooperate with God. You can't cooperate with those God has designated if you are in the flesh most of the time. And so you have to pray. That's why we said we're going to increase our, increase our prayer coverage. You have to pray and keep this flesh under every day. Before you come to church, you should be praying to keep this flesh under. You should, before you go to work, you should be praying before, so you can keep this flesh under. When you get up in the morning, you should pray and keep the flesh under if you're married or have kids. 
Because you will get in the flesh if you haven't prayed. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. I can tell you by experience. You will get in this flesh. Because we just have this, this tendency that we want to bow down to it when we don't have to. It tells us you don't have a choice, you know. Uh, you know, well, you, you, see what, you see what she said? You see what he said? You don't have to do that. You know, you don't have to do that. You work just like he does, you know. Let him come home and cook. You don't have to come home and cook. You know, our flesh tells a lot of things, doesn't it? Oh, come on. This is Christmas season. So we're celebrating the birth, death, resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he died for us to be selfless. Do you hear what I'm saying? Okay. Verse 13. Well, now let's look at verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of death consisting of the decrees against us, which is the law, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. See, the Romans, they, they were sometimes nailed. Nail, if, you, if, if you did something against the law, they would nail that what you did uh, above your head on the cross. Uh, and, and, but see, everything that was against us, you, me, all of us, it was nailed to the cross. So we don't have to be under condemnation uh, because we're walking in the spirit and not in the flesh, as the scripture says. It says in verse 15, when he had disarmed the rulers and the authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. I'm telling you that we don't have any choice. We cannot be selfish. We have to be selfless. We have to cooperate. This is part of the message last week. I'm just giving you how we can overcome this attitude uh, of uh, lack of cooperation by being selfless. Okay? Let's look at uh, chapter 3. Let's go down to um, verse 11. The renewal in which there is no distinction between the Jews and the Greeks and the circumcision and uncircumcision. Then it goes on to verse 12. So that those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you should him. I can close the book. And you know, if we memorize no other scripture than that scripture, and we live by that scripture, do you know the church of Jesus Christ all over the world will be different? See, because we don't bear with one another like we should. You know, we have something against one and we complain, about it, and then, then we, we just get out of sorts with one another. Verse 14, beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. We want to say, I love you, but don't want to walk in unity. Don't want to cooperate because we are self, selfish. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body and thankful. Let the word of Christ 
Riches shall dwell within you, admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Then it goes on to tell us what to do as far as husbands and wives and children and slaves. It tells us what to do. Therefore, can we afford to be selfish? Saints, can we afford to be selfish? Sin that we are celebrating this time of year as a birth, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, can we afford to be selfish? No. We must be selfless. We must cooperate with God and those he's designated because he's doing it for our good, not just for, um, you know, just to be telling us to do something. That's not the way God works. Let me read you some scriptures. In John 17, the, the Gospel of John 17:18, it says, As thou didst send me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Why did the Father send Jesus Christ into the world? I can't hear you. Okay. He sent him into the world for several reasons, okay, to, to die for the sins of the world in order to uh, put us back right in right standing with him so that anybody who accepts Jesus Christ, then uh, they can be right back in standing with the, with, with the Father. It can be just as if Adam never sinned. We don't have to pay the penalty for our sins. Jesus Christ has paid the penalty for our sins. So therefore, we can walk free even though we were guilty because he paid the price. That's good news. We're celebrating Christmas as that. So this is a time of year that we say, well, God, you know, you sent your only begotten son. That whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You sent him that my wretchedness and my sin will be forgiven. I can walk uh, in the streets of, you know, heaven with you. I can be, you know, around the throne room just like everybody else, even though I sinned because of what Jesus Christ did. God, I'm so thankful for the price he paid. I'm so thankful that he didn't get mad at the people who were, uh, you know, didn't like him, talking about him, trying to catch him into lies. I'm so glad that he went through with your plan. You sent him for that reason. God, You have sent me to the world also through Jesus Christ, and so therefore I have a purpose. What is your purpose? Yeah, we're going to serve God. How are we going to serve God? By being the hands, the feet, the mouthpiece of God. We're supposed to be just like Jesus as he is, so are we on this earth. So that means that we, we, when somebody sees us, they're supposed to be seeing Jesus when they see you. They're supposed to be seeing Jesus when they listen to you. They're supposed to be listening to Jesus when they see you doing things, responding to your mate, you know, responding to your children, responding in the church, responding on the job. They're supposed to be seeing just what Jesus would have done if they have never read a book. That's called the Bible. They're supposed to see the book walked out. That's what they're supposed to be doing. Because just what Jesus said, you know, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because he never did anything except what the Father said do. So he looked just like the Father. He acted just like the Father. He talked just like the Father. And so we're supposed to be doing the same thing with Jesus Christ. As he sent me into the world, I also send 
them into the world. He didn't send us into the world to be selfish. He didn't send us into the world to do our own thing. He didn't send us into the world to operate as independent members of the body of Christ doing our thing when we want to do it. He sent us into the world that we're supposed to be walking as one full man in the body of Christ. He's being the head, Christ being the head, and we're supposed to be walking as one full man as a body of Christ. That's what we're supposed to be walking. We're supposed to be walking in unity. We're supposed to be walking in cooperation with whatever he tells us to do. Everything that Jesus has is supposed to be a, a togetherness thing. The, the Old Testament, when he was talking to the Old Testament people, he was telling them, he was dealing with them as a nation. He's dealing with us as a church. We're not independent people doing just our church thing. We are a body. We're supposed to be in a body. We're supposed to be cooperating with that body. And if you're not in a body, woe is to you because you are disobedient to God's word. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because you're supposed to be in a body. Because he deals with the church as a body. He says he's the head of the body, which is the church. So the church is supposed to be together. We're supposed to be sheep of his pastor. Are we not? So what happens to me happens to you. What happens to you happens to me. I can't go any further than you go. You can't go any further than I can go. That we all got to go together. Otherwise, you know, we'll kind of hold each other back. Do you hear what I'm saying? We can't hold each other back. There are blessings that belong to the church of the living God that we're supposed to be walking in. And so there's no need for you to ever wonder, I wonder why miracles don't happen like they do in the old time. I wonder why miracles don't happen like they do in the new time. I wonder why miracles don't happen. It doesn't happen a lot of time because we're not walking together in unity uh, uh, doing what God says to do as a body. We're supposed to be doing it as a body. And gifts will flow, whether we're here, whether we're uh, in our workplace, whether we're at home, everything will flow because you are part of the body of Christ. And so therefore, you should always be joyful to come together into the house of the Lord, wherever that house we decide to meet at, because the whole body gets together and we just rejoice and just worship our God, our Savior. We just encourage one another. We stir one another up to love and good deeds because we have an enemy who wants us to fail. Hebrews 10, 9 says, Then he said, Behold, I, I have come to do thy will, it would been neat if it said, Behold, I've come to do what I want to do. Wouldn't that have been neat? None of us would be here, would it? None of us would be here. Do you know that, that there are other people who are dependent upon us doing his will? Because there are many unsaved people. And do you know that sometimes the church turns people off? They really do. Because people out in the world, they see us and they say, Hmm. And they're supposed to be church people. They acting like that, talking like that. My goodness. And they call themselves Christians. Whew, my goodness. I don't want to be that. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. We're supposed to be an example of believers. We really are. We're supposed to be doing his will. Matthew 10, 39. He who has found his life shall lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake shall find it. Let's read it again. He who has found his life shall lose it. That's telling me I don't want to do my own thing. I don't want to have my way. Because my way has been lost in Christ. My way was nailed to the cross in Christ. Now is his way, is his life. 
So I want to lose my life so that I'll be able to find it. Galatians 2.20 says it real uh, eloquently. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In a life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who delivered himself up for me. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. That's what we're supposed to be selling, saying because, you know, you know the, the old, old saying that the people say, hey, just get a life. You know, tell them, no, I'm trying to lose it. I'm not trying to gain a life. I'm trying to lose a life. I don't want a life. See, because John 13, 34, 35 says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you. Well, see, one commandment reads, love others as you love yourself. But he said, oh, wait a minute, let's change it around now that Jesus has come. I want you to love one another as I have loved you. Because some people don't think much of themselves. They look in the mirror and they say, oh, man, I wish I was there. I wish my nose was there. I wish my lips were this. I wish this. I lose my hair. I wish I had more hair. You know? All that wishing, 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 wishing. Now, God says that, you know, love others as he has loved us. So that, that puts it very specific. Because he loves us so much, he died for us when we were yet sinners. So therefore, we should then die for one another. It says in 1 John 3, 14 through 18. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. That means the ill feelings against the brother and things like that, you know, not, not really treating them like you should do. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Verse 16. We know love by this. Oh, now he's being very specific in First John, you don't have to think what the love is. I'm going to tell you what love is. Love is this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. That's what it says. For the brethren, for the other people in the body of Christ. There should be no division. There should be no disunity. There should be no lack of cooperation. There should be no selfishness, because he says that you're supposed to lay down your life for the brethren, just like I laid down my life for you. So therefore, if I'm not pleasing to you, lay your life down for me. If you're not pleasing to the person next to you, lay down your life for them. You're supposed to lay down your life for the other people in the body of Christ, just like he laid his life down for us. Let's be a little bit more specific. Verse 17, but who... Ever has the world's goods, and behold, his brother has need and closes his heart against him. How does the love of God abide in him? I'm going to change that just a little bit, apply it to something else. How can you see a need in the body of Christ for your gifts, for your service, for your talents, you know, for, you know, who you are, your presence? Your presence is, is, is important, you know? Wouldn't it be sad if only two people were here? Whenever myself. That'd be sad, wouldn't it? Suppose only four people here. How about ten? You know? Don't you know when the place is full of the saints, don't you know uh, that there's synergy? 
there. You know? Because people get excited. Because, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like when you get together with your family during Christmas holidays, you know, and Thanksgiving, you know, the whole family come together, you know, you feel good, you know. You feel good about each other. Because you haven't seen each other in a while. You feel good. And that's what you should feel on Sunday, you know, because we come together. How can we say that the love of God abides in us if we withhold our gifts, our talents, our service to each other? And we say, well, hey, we need somebody uh, to do this. Uh, can you help us? Well, you know, I, I just, you know, I don't have time. What are you doing? Well, we have, we have some people, honestly, we have some people that come to church maybe once or twice every quarter. I'm serious. I'm supposed to be in this church. I know it's not you. I'm sorry, if it's raining outside, oh, it's raining. Good sleeping weather, you know? You know, somebody's called, said, it might ice. Oh, it might snow, I can't go. It might snow. Come on. Man, you know, they, they, we had to counsel church for me not to come. That's when I wasn't leading the church. And then the pastor sent somebody for me with a four-wheel drive. And I still went to church, you know. I'm serious. It's hard to keep me out of church. That's where I'm supposed to be. Well, I, 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 don't, I don't like the message. Well, you're supposed to have a message anyway. You're supposed to come with a message. You're supposed to come prayed up, praised up, and with a message. Yeah. I don't like the music. Well, all you have to do is sing a couple hours before you get here. You know, it won't matter. Yeah? It won't matter. Well, Sister So-and-so so, 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 so didn't speak to me last time. So what? You better be glad. She probably was trying to stay out of the flesh, you know, so she didn't open her mouth, you know. Don't, don't we do the silliest things in the body of Christ? Well, God says that he wants us to love others just like we, he loved us. And so as we go into 2009, that's what we're supposed to be doing, these things I ask you to do. And Matthew 7, 12, uh, it tells us basically that in everything, in everything, I'm quoting from the uh, New American Standard Version, in everything, therefore, treat people the same way that you would want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. That's what God says. That's what he said. If we just go by that, treat people the same way that you want them to treat you. So you can wrap up all of the Old Testament into just that. Treat people the same way you want to be treated. That's the law and the prophets. Suppose you, you know, God had called you to lead this church. And he told you, this is, these are the goals for 2009. Tell the people. Do you, would you want them to do them? 
Do, would you want them to listen to you? Suppose you were leading worship. Would you want somebody to come when the worship stars you are here? Suppose you ran the ushers or the sound system or the, or the nursery and you were overseeing that. Would you want somebody to volunteer your services so that we can win other people to the Lord? Because people are not going to come and stay at this church if they come and there's nothing for their children. I'm telling you. If, if, the, if you don't have a good children's program, you can forget growing. I'm telling you. By most people. By most people. You need a youth program. Because they have youth, they want the children. You know, in a youth program. They're a young adult. They want a, they want a young adult program. Somebody had to, has to oversee these things. You see? Treat people just like you want to be treated. This is the Lord and the prophets. Okay? This is part of number four, which is cooperate more by being selfless and not self-centered. Father, let's bow your heads. Father, we thank you for the word of God, Lord. Father, it's so good to hear an encouraging message. Father, you told the people through Paul an encouraging message. They might not have thought it was encouraging, but it was encouraging. Because this is a season, Lord, that we are not playing games by just because on the calendar it said Christmas. We're not just playing Christmas. We're not playing gift exchange games. What we're doing is celebrating our deliverance from darkness and our translation into the kingdom of his dear son. We're celebrating what Jesus Christ has done for us. We're celebrating that he left the Holy Spirit <laughs> for us to follow because he's guides us and leads us into all truth. He leads us with gifts, manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I come back, I will take you to my father's house. Oh, he's coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. He's coming back for a pure, blameless bride. He doesn't want a bride that's out in the world doing her thing. And this is a church. He doesn't want us doing our thing because we don't know when he's coming back. He might not come back while we still have our youth. <laughs> So we're going to have fun in the world. We're going to see how close we can walk to the edge and not fall over. We're going to see can we walk and straddle the fence. Oh, no. No, he's come back for a bride that's sold out for him. That's waiting. That's waiting. For the sound of the trumpet. 
If you have not given your life to Jesus Christ, now's the time. Did you raise your hand and, and put it back down? And I would love to pray for you. Is anyone here that haven't given your life to Jesus Christ? Is anyone here that, you know, you have been maybe straying away from the call you know you have been called to? And today you said, this is the day that I'm going to go full, full out. I'm going to stop really being lukewarm. I'm going to be on fire for my Lord and my Savior because he was on fire for me. If that's you today, raise your hand. and We would love to pray for you. Anybody here in the fifth state category? Anybody? Okay, let's stand. Prayer team, come up, please. And the last call is for those of us who you know that this message was for you. Because you can say, God, I am not selfless like I'm supposed to be. I'm self-centered more than I should be. I don't cooperate like I should. And you say, God, help me. Help me. And these saints want to pray with you for you. Believe God for you. <laughs> Will you come to the altar? Because he wants to minister to you today. Don't let this season pass and all you did is, is exchange gifts but you're going to remain selfish. That's not what Christmas is for. Christmas is for being selfless. We just want to encourage um, anyone, if you do need prayer, please take advantage of that. And I uh, want to wish you all a very happy new year. Bring it in with prayer and thanksgiving. Enjoy your friends and your family. Let's go ahead and say the blessing. And uh, if anybody would like, would like to still receive prayer, please come on up and uh, feel free to stay afterwards. The prayer team will stay up here for a little while, so no need to rush. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine down upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance up to you and give you peace.